We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. It's about showing up every single day. It's about giving all of yourself. It's about evaluating your work. It's about innovating practice to change lives. Every single week, let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the truest and shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. excited about today's episode because I am going to share with you my top secret in movement. This is my friend, Joe Evans. He is an occupational therapist who is so passionate about treating children. Before we get into a bit about Joe, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. If you are a speech language pathologist, you need to incorporate movement into your therapy sessions because it is not only these kids with these complex neurodevelopmental issues that have motor issues, it's the children with speech and language impairment. What I mean by that is that the research is clear that children with speech and language impairments are significantly more likely by a large margin to have motor delays. Oftentimes a teacher will come to me and she's like, because of this child's difficulty in speech, the child is not participating in play with the other children. And I'm like, can I observe the child in class and see what's going on? And what I see is not a delay in the mouth as much as a delay in the body. So when I see these children with other children, I oftentimes see a poor motor posture, their shoulders are slunched forward, they're often using their joints instead of their fingers to play, and they're engaging in one-step play instead of multiple-step play. And I look at their peer next to them, who's making pancakes and coffee and pouring the syrup too, all within a few seconds. So children don't communicate with other children using words. They communicate through movement. They communicate through action. It's not that the child is not speaking clearly as much as the child can't do what the other child is doing. How do children play with other children? They don't ask, can I play? They do what the other child is doing. When I look at these children with speech impairments, what I see is that this child can't 
do what the child next to him is doing. So when we look at these children with speech and language impairments, it doesn't just occur in the mouth. It also occurs in the body. And we know that preschoolers communicate with other preschoolers through action, not through words, through movement. And they do that by imitating the movements of their peers. So if you wanna improve the communication skills of children on your caseload, we need to look at their ability to move fluently, to move complexly. And that's why I'm so excited about today's episode because I have with us today my secret, which is Joe Evans. Joe Evans and I have shared a therapy room for years. And I've been taking notes like you would not believe because he does such brilliant work with preschoolers. And I want him today to share with you some of his best moves so that you can treat the whole child and not just treat a mouth and help children not just communicate with adults, but communicate with other children. So this is such a gift having Joe here today. A little bit about him before we get started. Joe has only seven years experience as a pediatric occupational therapist. That said, what is Joe doing in a typical day? Joe is not only a full-time occupational therapist in the elementary to school age setting, he also works in private medical clinical setting after work. And on top of that, over the summer, he's on cruises for children with autism, providing recreational therapy to the children to provide some respite to their families. So this is a dedicated occupational therapist, a highly creative occupational therapist, and very passionate about this work. So he is going to share with us some great secrets of how we can incorporate movement into our speech therapy sessions. So this is going to be a definite can't miss. Get a Google Doc open, start taking notes, and get movement, get out of those tables and chairs and get moving in speech therapy. So Joe, we are gonna start with the core. You're gonna give us ideas on how we can strengthen the core. Then you're gonna give us ideas on how we can strengthen the gross motor skills. And lastly, the fine motor skills. And then there's a bonus. You have to stick to the end to get the bonus. It's going to be a good one because I think the bonus, if you're like me, is going to be your weak area. And that is Joe's strong area. We're definitely going to want to stay for that. Joe, we know, and, and Joe and I, we've talked about this a lot, speech and gestures develops lastly. Before we can get there, we need the core and the gross. And lastly, we get the eye contact, we get the speech, we get the pointing and the gestures. Joe, let's get started right into the core. Can you give us some ideas as preschool speech pathologists that we could do in therapy and getting away from the table and getting away from the chairs and what we could do in therapy to strengthen the core? Yes, of course. Well, just thank you so much, Kelly. I, I'm happy to be here. I love working with you. I love working in a multidisciplinary team. I think what you said is so important. We want to treat our students holistically, right? So we want to make sure we're, we're 
addressing all of their goals. So to go to court, that is super important. And it is such a fundamental skill and um, thing that our students need in order to reach those higher level skills. And I feel like you can incorporate core strengthening into almost any activity. Like Kelly said, get rid of the table, get rid of the chairs, let's work on some core. So my challenge to you is to optimize these short amount of time you have with your students by incorporating different positionings with your students. I get to work with one of my SLPs at the elementary school level and we do some co-treatment. One of her goals for this treatment session was to pick items and then categorize them by their descriptors. What I did to kind of incorporate that core strength is have the student weight bear on both of his arms and have his legs elevated and supported on a chair. So they're kind of, he's kind of in that, that plank position. So not only is he working on those shoulder strength, but he's also engaging that core as well when he picks those cards. But you don't even just have to do that. You can think of other simple ways to incorporate core by positioning based on where the kid is in their skill level. Can you put the child in a tall kneeling position? So that way he's engaging his core. Can you put him in a half kneeling position? Can you work on that activity on his belly or in a, in a, just a regular plank position? And also tabletop position is such a great position to put kids in to work on those core strengths. So just think of when you have these amazing enriching activities, think about how you can take the table away, take the chair away and position them to, to really engage that core strength through positioning. I really love what you said about putting the child's feet up on a chair and then having their hands on the ground because that's balance. Yeah, and that's just a higher level core strength skill. So, you know, like I said, kind of know where your student is, give them that just right challenge. You might need to just start off with a tabletop, but as their core increases, you can increase that challenge. So this particular student was able to have his have his legs elevated and weight bear on his arms. And that's just that's just a great way to incorporate it. Joe, another thing that I like to do is have a fluffy carpet on my floor because this is hard to do. To kneel on the ground on tile would be hard to do and crawl on your hands and knees, uh-huh. Right, yeah, so you definitely wanna make sure your environment and the work setting that you have is, is ready for those kind of positionings, right? So I have a lot of cushions, I have a lot of like pillows, even if they have like a jacket on, they can put the jacket under their knees. Think about how you can create that setting and have those, those, those pieces of equipment ready to go. So that way you can go ahead and do those core strengths activities right away. I really love what you advised me to do, Joe, is to have them lie on their stomach and you have a whiteboard in front of them and reach up and draw or put things, magnetic items on the whiteboard lying on their stomach. So it's purposeful, but it automatically works the whole core and complex movement. For sure. Whenever you have an idea, like a, you have, I, because I know speech therapists have the best ideas just think of how you can incorporate that core strength. So like what you were saying, you had that task, it's a task oriented approach and using unilateral weight bearing will strengthen one arm and then you can switch and go to the next. And again, it's working on that balance, that, that ability to cross midline with their, their opposite hand. It's definitely a fun way to, to challenge our students a little bit more.
I love it. Thank you so much. Those are great ideas. I hope that you were able to write those down in your Google Doc and you're going to use them time and time again. Gross motor. What gross do you motor. think you could do to improve gross motor skills in speech language therapy sessions? I love obstacle courses and I know you do too. <laughs> and I love how you can incorporate obstacle courses into almost any activity that you have, which is great because not only is obstacle courses great for gross motor, but you're thinking of sequencing, you're thinking of the ability to, to problem solve. All of those skills go into obstacle courses. When I think of obstacle courses, I think of three major things that I want to work on. I want to work on balance. I want to work on strength and I want to work on that vestibular input. So I kind of like to let the students be part of this choice because it gives them some autonomy. They can kind of be part of the, the decision-making. I let them choose a few of the obstacle course selections, but I have to make sure that I'm addressing those three areas. So with balance, balance beams are great, right? You can do a balance board. You can even just tape uh, tape on the floor and have them balance on that. For strength, think of animal walks, think of bear crawls or animal or uh, crab scoops or even crab crawls. And scooter boards are something I use in all of my sessions and a great way to build up that shoulder strength. And then vestibular input. Think about activities that will change the positions of, of those students' head and their body positioning. So they're standing, they're going down to crawl, they're back up standing, they're going moving from right to left. That is going to activate that inner ear and really help with those, that, the student's vestibular input. A great way to make it into a task-oriented speech activity is by putting the words that you're working on articulation with, right? Put it at the end of your obstacle course, have them go through the obstacle course, select the word that you are working on, and then you can work on some articulation skills that way. And then just keep going. Again, you're taking away the table, you're taking away the chairs, and you're creating this obstacle course that really does address not only those fundamental skills of you know strength, balance, and vestibular, but now you're also addressing some of your, your speech goals as well. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting about that is, like you said, is purpose. With obstacle courses, there's a purpose. And when you have a purpose, the dopamine levels go up. So I find that very interesting. A lot of people think that the dopamines go up when you get the award, when you, when, when, I don't know how to explain this, when you win. So a lot of people run a marathon, right? And the next day they're depressed. The next day they're down. And the reason for that is the dopamine levels go up when you have a goal. Mm. And we know that when the dopamine levels go up, we're more likely to encode the information, to store it and easily retrieve it love what, you, what you've shared. It's make it meaningful. It's not about just going in the tunnel and rolling the tunnel back and forth. You got to get through that tunnel. Right. Yeah. It's you so can have to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I kids love that. Kids love when you're enthusiastic and a little animated and you're like, oh my gosh, you got to go get that word. Or, you know, mm -hmm. if there's an animal or, you, or a, a toy that they have to go get. And so that way you can work on categorizing or describing words like, go save that, you know, that, that turtle yeah. or something. Yeah. Really, really, especially those preschool students, they love, you know, enthusiasm and motivation. And they're so, you know, they, it's just a great way to incorporate all those skills. And I'm like, 
Joe, do you have your glow sticks out over there? Because he's like, woo That's what I always hear in my <laughs> side of the therapy room. So that's what enthusiasm yeah. is like. It doesn't sound like good job. Yeah, woo kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, so I love it. Yeah, I, I'm going to get you some glow sticks. That's going to be my gift yeah. to you for what you're sharing for us today. Now we're going to go to the fine motor. What are some ideas that speech-language pathologists can use in therapy to improve fine motor skills? Yeah, so you know, OTs, we're known for our fine motor skills and what we address in our goals. And I think something that's so important and something so much fun and motivating is crafts, right? So I think crafts promote a lot of language as well as that, that fine motor, that fine motor skills that we are addressing as well. My challenge for you though, as uh, SLPs is to be very observant of some of those fine motor skills that we kind of take for granted. For example, look at how your student's holding his pencil, right? Is he holding it efficiently? Not necessarily appropriately or, you know, we want to see if they're holding it efficiently in order to create, uh, complete the task. Are they holding it with a fist? Are they doing more of a digital pronate grasp or are they using a tripod grasp? Those are things that, you know, sometimes we take for granted and we don't really notice, but really be observant of those skills. Another thing is scissor skills, right? I usually do three rules to scissor skills, no chicken wing. So the elbow is tucked in, thumb is up. So that thumb is always pointing up and use your helper hand. Are your students doing that? Are they using their scissors to kind of cut around or are they actually using that other helper hand to manipulate the paper? That's such a skill that some of our students really struggle with. And it's something to be very observant for. Another thing with comes with or with crafts are glue. Are they able to open the top? Are they able to do that manipulation skill of a simple rotation to build and to, to make the glue come up? Are they using enough pressure when they're using that glue? Are they, you know, are they putting enough on there? Are they putting too much on there? These, again, these are little things, but they have such huge impacts on our students later on. Think about if you're and if you're doing like crafts with like beads or with pom poms, how are they picking up those items? Are they using a tripod grass? Are they using a pincher grass? Are they raking it in? Again, these are skills that we work on in our OT sessions that if you guys can kind of incorporate into your sessions, we are working together and we're making this a more holistical approach. The last thing I would really want you guys to focus on is that bilateral coordination. So are our students using two hands to complete a task, especially for cutting, right? Are they using their helper hand to manipulate the paper and to stabilize it? But let's say you're doing a folding craft. Are they simultaneously using their hands to fold the paper? You know, a lot of our students really have a difficult time with those skills and to, to be very observant of those skills and to see, is there something kind of difficult in this area? we can consult an OT and we can work as a team to make sure that we are all addressing similar goals. So that's kind of what my, you know, we all do crafts. We think it's a great way to incorporate language and find motor skills, like I said, but just be a little bit observant on these areas because then that way we can really, really address some of these concerns that we're seeing. I love what Joe's saying. We like to say things in the positive, but no chicken wings, because what Joe taught me is a lot of times a child will have a tripod grasp, but be using their shoulder. They're using a gross motor activity, not fine motor, to draw that circle. 
So I see what Joe's talking about. It's not about the tripod grasp. It's about how they're performing the act. Exactly. And no chicken wings. If you put your shoulder, your elbow down, no chicken wings. Okay. <laughs> he yells that over and over again. I hear it. Yeah. Then you can't use the shoulder. It's right. an incredible and kids, behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. Kids love that little prompt because they, they just crack up. They think it's funny. And what I do is like, maybe I'll put like a card under their arm or like a ball under their arm. And if they start using that chicken wing, that will drop. Right. Like Kelly said, you know, we want to isolate more of that fine motor. So distal or proximal, you know, stability equals distal mobility, right? So we really want to make sure that we are stable here and moving here. And that's why that gross motor and those strengthening and those core strengthening skills are so important because sometimes you will see a student using a full movement of his arm rather than that distal control. So that's why it's, you know, these little things that we're kind of talking about are so important because we want them to have that distal control and that distal mobility. And when you talk about differentiation, we notice that a child will often open their mouth and close their mouth when they're cutting. We're going mm -hmm. to go to the bonus. Oh, drum roll, please. So if you're <laughs> like me, you know so much about me, you know that I have ADHD and, and that's been brain scanned. So that's been <laughs> affirmed. And my friends are like, Kelly, the fact you needed to pay to find that out, I think something is wrong with you because it's quite obvious. However, I believe I have something known as dyscalculia. So this is an area that's very difficult for me. Dyscalculia is a difficulty with math and spatial concepts. For me, it's spatial concepts. This is Joe's strength. His jam is visual motor integration in which you're integrating your visual skills with your motor skills in a complex manner. So this is the fun part. I think a lot of speech pathologists are not good at this. I think a lot of speech pathologists, we're auditory people, we're good at hearing and we're good at talking, but we're not so much visual learners in, in which we're, a lot of us, I think, are, I assume are like this. I'm the extreme end. I'm like the dyscalculia end of the spectrum. But as a result, I don't think we incorporate visual motor integration skills into our therapy because that's our, that's kind of our Achilles heel. Joe, help us here. You want to explain what visual motor integration is because I threw out this fancy million dollar word first. That would be great. And then you can tell us, this is our bonus. What are some activities we can do to improve visual motor integration skills? Yeah. So I do love doing ocular motor skills, which are strengthening of those eye muscles. Again, eye muscles are muscles, right? We want to make sure that they're, they're strong and healthy and working properly. So there's a whole bunch of ocular motor and visual motor and visual perceptual skills to address, like figure ground, that ability to decipher something from a busy background. There's visual closure. So be that ability to, you know, finish a puzzle. I like to really work on the musculature of the eyes because I'm seeing that a lot of our students who have difficulty with reading and writing are having difficulty with scanning, tracking, and that accommodation. So those are the three big areas that I work on in my therapy. Scanning is the ability to smoothly move your eyes across a stationary object, such as reading, right? 
tracking is being able to smoothly move your eyes along with a moving object. So like if the teacher is moving around in the classroom and the student is kind of needing to focus on that. And then accommodation is our ability to transition from near to far and vice versa. And that would be like copying from a board, right? These are such important skills that our students need in order to be successful in the classroom. So I was thinking of some activities that can be incorporated in speech therapy activities with scanning. And I know a lot of my speech therapists that I work with are big on prepositions. What I like to do is I like to put a beanbag or a toy or something on our student's head to dissociate that head movement from the eye movement. Because what we want to do, because a lot of our kids, when they scan or when they read, they're moving their head instead of just those, those eyes. You put the beanbag or the toy on top of their head, having them in a core strengthening position and ask them, what is on top of the desk? And just using their eyes, have them scan across the room, find that desk and tell you what is on top of it. And this is just a fun way of like working on iSpy. If you're working on this, those S blends, you can even work on those kind of things. It's just a great way to incorporate everything as well as working on those ocular muscles, ocular motor muscles. The other one is tracking. Like I said, it's the ability to smoothly follow a moving object. And another thing I know that you guys love to work on and that is super important are like verbs, nouns, and adjectives. What I like to do in therapy when I'm working on tracking is I kind of make like this, this round target. I have the student kind of track the target as I'm moving. And I say, go. And then they have to throw the ball at that target. So they're tracking and then they stop, focus, and then they use that visual motor, you know, coordinating what what's going on with their eyes along with that motor skill of throwing. What you guys can do is you can put a word, either a noun, a verb, or an adjective on that target. Move it around. Make sure they're not moving their head. Say, go. Have them throw the ball and then tell you, is that word a verb? Is that word an adjective? Or is that word about a noun? Those are just ways to incorporate tracking as well as maybe working on some of those goals in speech. The last one is accommodation. So like I said, being able to move transition or smoothly from near sight to far sight and vice versa. In our schools, we do a lot of core board activities and really making sure that our students are understanding what you know some of these words on our core board mean. What you could do is you can have a picture of a, of a card on the pec or on the core board that you're working on with your student and hold it kind of up a little bit of far away, have them look up and then back down to their core board and see if they can match the one that you're holding up. You can even do that with descriptors, right? You can have like a tool and then look down and find another object that is similar to a tool, right? But not only are you working on those speech goals, but you're also working on that accommodation, the ability to transition from far to near, which then will help them, you know, be able to copy from a board when they're in the classroom. Those are things that I work on a lot. That reminds me of bingo. Those right. are great, great ideas. And I wish that I had my Google Doc open because I need to take notes in those areas because that's my, my weak area. So thank you so much. This episode has just been so valuable. I hope that you've been taking notes because if you have, you're going to pull this Google Doc up again and again, and your therapy is going to get richer and richer and richer. 
Thank you so much, Joe. Can you tell us how can we get in touch with you? Yeah, I, I'd love to get in touch. Like I said, you know, I, and here I am giving you guys some ideas to incorporate, you know, movement and OT activities in your speech therapy goals. But I would love to know the same, right? Like I would love to know how I can work speech goals into my OT sessions. Because like I said, I'd like to treat the child holistically. And I feel like all their goals are our goals to work on as well. I have an email that you guys can email me at if you have any questions or would like to share ideas. It's Joe, J-O-E, Evans, E-V-E-N-S, 18 at gmail.com. Again, that's Joe, J-O-E, Evans, E-V-E-N-S, 18 at gmail.com. This is someone you really want to connect with if you want to grow and get better. So we're going to take all of this amazing information we have today, and we're going to roll up our sleeves, and we're going to make the world a better place one person at a time.